the human race has got the courage um, to create the solutions we need because as as humans we have we have vision we have innovation we have imagination creativity and we've got through challenges in the past and i think that we have the ability to do so again This is Series 5 of Brave New Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Hamilton, and I welcome you to the Women's Impact Project, in which my guests share how they are positively impacting the world and the courage it takes to do so. If you're interested in making a difference by guesting on podcasts, you can find out how in my latest book, Dare to Share. This week's guest is Nikki Maté, a sustainability strategist who for the last 20 years has tried to live an ethical life and is now committed to empowering others to make decisions about how to have a lower negative impact on the planet and people. She helps trailblazing CEOs take on the greatest challenge of their careers and steer their businesses into a sustainable future. Welcome, Nikki, to Brave New Girl Podcast. Hi, Nikki. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Lou. And thank you so much for inviting me to be on your fantastic podcast. It's lovely to have you. And I'm imagining you in your house in Italy. Um, I think you said that it was snowing there. Yes, it can't make up its mind at the moment. It's certainly the coldest winter that we've had. And we've had snow, we've had wind. Now, actually looking out the window, it's sunny, although couple of hours ago it was snowing and settling um so yeah it's uh it's one of the many signs of climate change unfortunately yes exactly and we've been through um a couple of years you know we had the pandemic and now we're facing the war in ukraine and i wonder how you've managed to keep yourself going and to work in your business and perhaps redefine your business as a result of what's happened yeah it's been um it's been very strange times that's that's for sure i mean we moved here um in late 2017 to italy to 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 live a more sustainable life and a quieter life uh the quieter bit hasn't really happened uh we're still as busy as ever but Obviously, the one thing we never imagined is that we wouldn't be able to see our family due to a pandemic. Um, we wouldn't be able to go back to the UK, which, you know, it's just not on our radar. Nothing. We would never have even thought about that. So, you know, we felt very lucky that we live in a beautiful rural area with views, with space, you know, very close to nature. Um, but it was really tough not being able to go back to the UK. Um, we've got two daughters in London. I still have both my parents um, who live in a sort of retirement village and my husband has his mother in Ireland. Um, so it was, a, it was a very anxious time. We also run, um, in, in the downstairs of our house, we run a holiday rental business, um, Villa in the Vineyard, and obviously COVID has impacted that greatly because half of our time living here has been in the pandemic. Um, so yeah, I, I I do freely admit that I have had times of feeling very anxious, um, which isn't normally my style, but I think we've all experienced anxiety in a way that maybe we hadn't before. And particularly um, looking at it from a marketing standpoint, which is my background, you know, the whole thing around the pandemic, the whole communication has been using fear 
as the dominant influencer to, to you know, get people to, to, to take action. And um, that's been difficult for me because I've always, you know, been focused on maintaining my health and, and focusing on the good things and the positive. Um, and my mantra is, you know, helping other people to say not to find cures, but to actually use the power they have to manage their own health um, rather than finding a cure. So I, I did find it very difficult. I spent hours researching, particularly for our apartment as well, for, for the cleaning side of things. I, I was really didn't want to go up against my principles and stop spraying bleach everywhere. Um, you know, and I did find alternatives which sort of still adhered to the Italian rules. But what it did do, like with so many of us, it made me sort of look at my life um, sort of last summer and I, I realised I was stressed. I wasn't really enjoying my work and I just thought, oh, you know, I need to do more than I'm doing now. Um, you know, the pandemic is something that is a zoonotic disease which is linked to climate change. Um, so I just felt I needed to have a greater impact and my own sustainability journey had started sort of in health and well-being, as I mentioned, encouraging people to, to look at prevention. Um, and that gave me the confidence to set up as a social entrepreneur myself, um, working as a breast health educator with the charity Breast Cancer UK. But I'll probably tell you a bit about that later. So, you know, I, I just thought I need to do more. And so that's when I decided to make quite a big change in, in the autumn to um, stop working for the marketing clients that I had and to set myself up as a sustainability strategist for small businesses, obviously still with a focus on communications, but to help business leaders who really want to be part of saving the planet, creating a fair world, but don't know where to start, don't really know what they can do to have an impact. You know, you might find some businesses think, well, you know, what difference would we make? Um, but but you really can make a difference and we all have to make a difference. So that's when I made the change. Um, and now that's how I'm set up. I've built a new website, etc. So and I'm really excited to work with as many businesses as I can. So when you were a child, were you interested in nature and and the world or were you more introverted? What was what kind of child were you? Um, I was, I'd say, a pretty happy child, um, very curious child, always very independent, um, which meant sometimes I could be quite naughty, um, but not from a not from a malicious place, from a place of curiosity and wanting to find out more. And that wanting to find out has sort of, you know, lived with me um, all my life. So, but yeah, I, I caused my... Um, parents a few issues I think I mean we've got a photo of me sort of running away with my dad chasing me across the park um, and I would just go off they had to actually have me on reins in those days to make sure I didn't escape um, but I, I and I was very sociable as a child they, they used to put me in my pram at the end of the drive which you probably never do now and I'd just sit there and I'd wave to everybody went past say hello um and they, they belonged to a tennis club and I'd always be going off and sort of going around and talking to people so I I've always wanted to learn more I think that's my driving force I, I wouldn't say I'm particularly into nature I'm not um I, I believe passionately about protecting nature and that we're part of the ecosystem but 
I'm probably more interested in in people and psychology and what makes them tick, um, which is probably one of the reasons I went into marketing. Um, I mean, at school, I, I, I liked school. I had friends. Um, I was always the smallest, but I didn't really mind. People teased me, but I didn't let it get to me. Um, I loved acting. I was always in school plays. And I know people hate me if I say this, but I actually liked studying and I didn't mind exams because <laughs> it actually gave me the opportunity to, to prove to myself what I could do. So, I, I, you know, I, was, I had a very fortunate childhood. My parents worked really hard um, to send my brother, one brother, younger brother, to send us both to private school. Um, so we didn't go on overseas holidays. We lived in a small house. My mum worked as well. So, you know, I'm really grateful to them that they you know, did the best for me and my brother. And that's always been their, their mantra. And I, I'm appreciative for that. And then when you when you left school, you went on quite a few adventures and travel. And I, I'm curious to know whether, was it your own curiosity that sort of just launched you out into the world? And did you have any kind of vision for what you wanted to be doing? Or were you just kind of, improvising as you went along I think I mean my parents were always um they were never pushy they always left things to us um to my brother and I for us to make our own decisions and you know supported us in that way so I mean when I was at school um when I was in the sixth form my teachers wanted me to do Oxbridge or read German or French at uni um I did I did three A-levels, um, all you know, English literature, French, German, all literature. In those days, that's what you know, um, that's what you did. You studied literature, um, and I did S-levels as well in French and German. But I'd had enough of you know being buried in books and and, and books language of the past as well. So I actually sort of went against the norm, if you like, because most of my friends went on to university. Um, and I felt at that time, I thought, well, they're just going to just have a good time, aren't they? And why well, I didn't think I wanted to do that as well, I'm not sure. But so I decided to go against the mould and um, found a course for a trilingual secretarial course, which I did for two years. And I went and lived in, I had to move away from home. I was, there were only two of us who, who were living away from home. And it was a fantastic course because we learned about the culture of the countries. We learned about current affairs. We did simultaneous translations, audio, typing and shorthand in all three languages. And I came out having a really good sense of, you know, of what France and Germany were like. Um, and that I also did, a, um, they call it a stage, like a work experience between the two years in Paris. And so I just thought, yeah, I, I want to go and work in Paris. I want to work in France now that I've got these skills. And... Um, English secretaries were, were very sought after in those days. So I went out with my, my best friend from college and I went out without a job, with nowhere to live. Um, we stayed in a hostel for young Christian girls and um, we found, both found jobs within the first week. I ended up working for a company called Utilsat, which is telecommunications by satellite. Um, I had absolutely no idea what that meant at the time, <laughs> but now I understand, you know, it sort of rules the world, isn't it? So we lived there for a year, but but it didn't feel like a real life. And I was just living a sort of expat existence. Um, 
So I, I just decided to come back to the UK and moved to London and shared a flat with a friend um, from primary school. And we were really lucky to live in High Street, Kens behind High Street, Kensington, because she was in Lettings. So she was able to give us a really good deal. Um, that's when I had my first job in the exhibition industry. And I was working in um, trade shows in those days um, in, in the fashion industry. So my claim to fame is that I helped John Galliano with his first exhibition stand before he was, you know, anyone had heard about him. But, you know, I, I there seemed to be that need for adventure in, in those younger years. And I then sort of decided to, that I wanted to change and I resigned from my job and spent five months traveling with my flatmate we went to australia sometime later you came down with what turned out to be crohn's disease and you know very often something really massive happens in our lives to kind of bring us up short and sort of really have to reassess everything that's gone before and and think about what's going to happen in the future and and crohn's is is very debilitating you know, some people have it to the point where, you know, they can't actually leave their their homes. And we did actually film one woman who, as part of a, a TV series on terminal illness, and she had Crohn's and had been, well, the surgery had gone wrong. And so she was in, in chronic pain and was sort of being administered to and the wounds dressed every day, including Christmas Day. And eventually she she did manage to get some medication that that helped her. But for you, what was your approach and, and how did you decide that, you know, you couldn't go on with this? Yeah, I mean, up until then, as I said, my life had been, you know, very happy, pretty smooth, no major dramas in it. And then I got married to my husband and we went on honeymoon to Mauritius um, for two weeks and I got food poisoning from eating wild boar. Um, it was like a sort of a Mauritian buffet. And at the time I thought this just tastes a bit weird, but I don't really know what it was meant to taste like. So yeah, I was very, very ill. And um, when we came home, I went to my doctor and he said, well, maybe you've got irritable bowel and gave me some medication and that. I said, no, it's just the same every day. It's not stress related. So I was lucky to have private healthcare through my work and Crohn's disease was diagnosed you know, almost immediately. And I came home and told my husband, so I've got this thing called Crohn's disease and it's it's incurable. And he said, well, what is it? You know, and so I explained, neither of us had ever heard of it, which I think now many more people will have heard of it. Um, and so I just did what I was told to do. I went on medication for six months, including steroids, and 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 then it made me better, and I, and I was fine then, but I realised that the chances were that it would come back, and I realise now that, as you said, I think 80% of people with Crohn's will go on and have some form of surgery, um, will probably be on medication for the rest of their lives. So I just thought... I need to understand, being me, I thought I need to understand more about this. So again, I did a lot of research um, and that's when I started to have acupuncture, um, which really helped me. Um, fantastic guy called Simon Chung, um, who is Hong Kong Chinese, um, but trained as a Western doctor as well as a GP. 
Um, and through him, I got more interested in natural health. Um, I started taking supplements. I was always looking to, cha- to, to, to find the next thing that would help me. And there were times when I was very low, very poorly, and I just never stopped looking for the next thing that would help me. And because I truly believe I could find things to help myself and those things always manifested for me. But I had to take action myself. You know, I changed, I changed my diet to eat organic food, started change, you know, getting rid of chemicals in my life. And I have always had that belief that if I search hard enough, the answers will come to me. And I think a lot of people with Crohn's are, you've got to have that belief in yourself and in your own body and your own mind as well because it takes you know strong will that that you can do this for yourself and and I think with Crohn's that so much of it is caused by our modern lifestyles by the food we're eating the stress lives that we lead and and so I've followed a whole, whole regime both you know mental physical sort of spiritual if you like and that is what has helped me um to stay well and when I changed my diet I never had the levels of pain that I had in the beginning which were I hadn't had a child at that point but they were comparable to childbirth they just didn't continue you know they I'd have it for a few hours and then I'd have a break you know it wasn't a continual like childbirth but the pain was of the same level and I think pain is a great motivator as well to certainly is for me to make me take action so now I I feel that you know, Crohn's is behind me. And the only other thing that happened to me was about a year and a half after I'd been diagnosed with Crohn's, um, I had a miscarriage and I was working for a European menswear retailer. I was traveling around Europe. It was a time when people smoked in offices and I'd been on a European trip, sat in rooms here with PR agencies and Various people smoking away, and then I came back and had a miscarriage. It was only it was eleven weeks. It was early days, but um, that was the catalyst to make me think. Right, I've got to get out of the rat race as well. I've got to leave the corporate world and focus on what I want most, or what we want most, is having having a family. And that's what I did. I went on to have two lovely daughters um, and worked with my husband in his business until my daughters were older. And then in one of your Riverford veggie box deliveries, there was um, a leaflet that caught your attention and changed how you, what you did moving forward. Yeah. So as I said, I changed to eating organic food and I read this leaflet and, you know, I haven't had breast cancer myself, obviously, but this was all about prevention and about things that we can do for ourselves, um, as women, but you know, men, men can, men can, a lot of the things men can do as well. And um, the focus then for Breast Cancer UK was very much on certain hormone disrupting chemicals, which were interfering with our hormones, which then were having an impact on our breast cancer risk. So I got really interested in this, um, did a lot of research, as you can imagine, um, met up with the CEO at the time who, who was a breast cancer survivor. Unfortunately, she has passed away since. And through that, I decided I need to go out and talk to more women about prevention because look what it's done for me, you know, in terms of Crohn's. So I decided to set up as a, a social entrepreneur would have been in those um, in those days. And I did 
I sort of offered a lunchtime talk um, in the workplace, sharing stats about breast cancer, about risk factors, things you can do something about, things you can't, you know, talking about diet, um, exercise, managing stress, avoiding certain chemicals, all things that are much more talked about today, but you're going back here about 15 years when I was doing this. But I worked for big company, you know, I worked with big companies like WPP, Ogilvie, local councils, lawyers. And I w- I've always been driven by making a difference. And in those days, I think a lot of people thought I was a bit crazy, but there were always a few women who, what I was saying, resonated with. And that was enough for me. If there were only a few women out of, say, 20, who actually then went away and did something and felt empowered to do something. I want to empower people through what I share. If they don't want to do it, that's fine. But they've made they've made a you know an informed decision. So you know so that's how that's how I started on my sort of journey to be part of sustainability, um, if you like. You went from being a breast cancer educator into ethical marketing. And so what was that transition for you? I think, as I say, because um, I was doing this part time around my daughters and working with my husband. And in those days, it was quite hard work to to get into a company um, because prevention wasn't really on their radar at that point. And there were a few enlightened ones who were doing, um, you know, maybe having an organic fruit box for their staff, but, but they weren't the norm. So I just thought... Well, you know, I'm, I'm still not bad at marketing. I, I've managed to get myself into these companies eventually. Why don't I go back into marketing and set up as a freelancer? And, you know, what's special, what's different about me, you know, as a marketing person, that's what you have to, to work out is what makes me different. And I realised that it was that I wanted to be in what I called ethical marketing. So I wanted to help organisations, yeah, you know, make a profit or raise funds if they're a charity but I wanted them to have ethical goals and objectives alongside that so I've always done that in my work I've not only set marketing objectives sort of based on financials but also set ethical objectives which can be harder to do but it's still possible so from that yeah I set up as a freelancer and, and I was lucky to work um, with my local council as an improved provider, and I work with some amazing charities like Stoke Mandeville Spinal Research, Chilton Music Therapy, and then um, I ended up working with Breast Cancer UK directly um, to set up an ambassador program for them, where volunteers went out into their community and into companies uh, in their local area to spread the word of prevention, and that was fantastic for me because. It had been like my little baby, but there was only one of me. And suddenly to be involved in training other women to spread the prevention message was brilliant. And and unfortunately, during due to COVID, that programme had to be shut down, which is a real shame. So I really hope that, you know, they'll be able to resurrect it in, in, in the future. And then I was very lucky to work with um, Fashion Revolution, a campaign who are looking to transform the fashion industry, which is a massive polluter, a massive abuser of women's rights, um, you know, the list goes on. So I joined them in the early days as a volunteer, and then I was lucky to have a year working for them as their country country coordinator liaison, which was amazing to work with all these volunteers all over the world. And then I've I've also worked for um, you know for profit companies like um, 
Green Sense, who are an organic laundry and household brand, and I've worked for a sustainable tourism company called YR. So I've learned so much during that time about the environment, environmental impact of agriculture, about packaging, social justice, and how business doesn't ha- have to just be set up to make a profit above all else. And I think we're seeing that, that we, we can have business be a force for good. And how amazing would that be if we can, businesses can be part of creating uh, a better world for for all of us, a fair world and, and saving the planet, which we need to do. You know, we need to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels. And, you know, that has become all too evident um, today. And so moving forward and looking into the future, how do you work with small businesses to take the steps that they need to take to do their bit to save the planet? Yeah, well, I think, as I've said on several occasions, I think if you ask most CEOs if they would like to be part of that uh, mission, I I don't think anyone would say, well, no, I, I don't want to save the planet. I don't want to create a, a fairer world. But I think for a lot of businesses, they, they think we're just one small business. How can we make a difference? Look, these massive corporates are the ones who are, you know, creating all the emissions, who have massive impacts on the natural world. You know, what can we um, as a small business do? Well, I, I, I've never really bought that argument. I, I've had people say to me when I was doing my breast health work, you know, why you're just one person. And I often did feel like this little tiny voice uh, blowing in the wind, whereas now I feel my voice is a lot stronger because I'm not alone. But I think that, you know, it, it, it's change starts with one person, they always say, don't they? And then it gradually filters out. So I think there are a lot of things that small businesses can do, um, particularly for their staff, um, because sustainability to me is not just about carbon reduction, it's about protecting the natural world and respecting people. Um, and so there is there are certainly things that any business can do, and it doesn't have to be seen entirely as cost either. You know, things in terms of, of, of saving energy, um, changing packaging or fabrics, starting to move to a circular economy where, you know, your customers are able to send things back, reuse and repair them. That is not going to be a significant cost always. Um, so what I want to do with my, my core CEO is to say, this is an amazing challenge to take on board. It's probably going to be the most exciting, the most important challenge of your career. And there are so many businesses who are taking this stance. And many of those would not be doing it unless it was profitable for them as well. So, I, I you know, I'm a realist as well. We still need to help businesses make money, but at the same time, they can be making changes. So I have, you know, I have lots of ideas um, of what businesses can do. And I actually offer a free sustainability audit to go through a business and see what they're doing already. Because the chances are they are doing some great things already. They're just not telling anybody about it. Because I think people have been a little bit, uh, what's the word, not nervous, a little bit sort of shy about sharing good stuff that, that, that they're doing. And also afraid of, of, of greenwashing as well, which is getting more attention. So I think that we all have to play our part. If we're going to save the planet, it has to be everybody and every business and every organisation. And 
what an amazing thing to be part of. I, I, you know, I just feel so inspired um, myself to be part of um, saving our world. And in the light of that, how do you define courage? Well, for me, courage has always been being brave enough to go across against the crowd. Um, I, I've, I've, I've quite often in my life, if I've said, gone against the mainstream, done not what would you would have expected me to do um, because I want to stand up for what I believe in. And I talked about, you know, one person can be the catalyst for change. And I think we have to stand up. In the world we live in now, we, you know, we're seeing that aren't we, in Ukraine, where people are actually standing up for their country. They know that they're putting themselves in danger. They don't know what the outcome will be, but they know deep inside it's something that they have to do. And and that's, I think, in the way, sounds a bit pompous, but that's the way that I've led my life. I've had to stay true to myself. And I, I can't go against my core beliefs and 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 for me, it's always proved the right thing to do. Things have always turned out right for me, um, and and that's that's how, that's how I am. And that's I do have hope for the future. I feel that the human race has got the courage um, to create the solutions we need because as as humans, we have we have vision. We have innovation, we have imagination, creativity, and we've got through challenges in the past. And I think that we have the ability to do so again. Thank you so much, Nikki, for your commitment to helping those get on the sustainability train so that we each in our own ways can have a positive impact on the planet. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, Lou. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks, Nikki, for showing us that when we live by our values, we can go against the mainstream and stand up for what we believe in and make the world a better place. You can find out more about Nikki's work on nikkimatte.com, her holiday rental in Italy, villainthevineyard.com, and follow her on LinkedIn at Nikki Matte. Thanks to Silk Studios for producing and sourcing the guests for the show. And thanks to you all for listening. Take care, choose courage, and see you next week.